<clears throat> and our first lesson is the mission. The mission. And um, <clears throat> it's been said that one of the great criticisms of Vietnam, and will probably be a criticism of Ukraine, part of my being political, and one of the criticisms of our military presence in the Middle East has been that we had no mission, especially in terms of Vietnam. We had no mission. What was the mission? Or that we somehow lost sight of the purpose for being there. And if you're in the military, you need a mission. If you're in the Lord's army, you need a mission. Um, what are we fighting for? Who is the enemy? Why are we here? And what is our goal? If you don't know those things, then you might spend years fighting and not knowing what you're doing. And in Proverbs 29, 18, the Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Right? That's a great verse for the Christian life. That's a great verse for raising children. That's a great verse for everything. That's a great verse for our, for our discipleship too because we need to start with a vision. We need to start with a clear mission. Schools do it. Every September, they pass around the school mission. Businesses have a mission statement. Organizations like nonprofits almost always have some kind of mission statement. That's where they like to start. We start the school year that way. You start the onboarding that way. So to go to the next level, that's what we're calling discipleship to the next level, we've got to get, oh my goodness, that Jesus has raised the dead. Right? <laughs> we've got to get... Uh, we've got to get a clear vision of the mission. That's where we'll start. So we're going to start here with the purpose for the next level. That's our first point. You see that on your notes, the purpose for the next level. If I asked you to find a verse for our great commission, where would you turn? Most people would turn to Mark 16, 15, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's, that's a nice verse, but that's not our purpose. That's not our mission. Up, man? Go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 28. There, there's our mission statement. There is our great commission. Genesis 1, 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The point of our entire existence is to bear fruit for our Heavenly Father. The point of our entire existence is to bear fruit for our Heavenly Father. The Lord wants us to live in such a way as to bear fruit. It's who you are and who you're supposed to be, not just what you do. You say, well, I'm going to do street ministry. I'm going to do discipleship. Those are the things we do. But God's concerned with who you are. And God wants you to be fruitful. Be in a place where I can get something out of you that pleases me. Go to John chapter 15. We won't look at a ton of verses, but some verses. And if you have that, those guided notes in front of you, you'll see I'll help you fill in those blanks. We just filled in one of them. John 15. I want you to notice a word in John 15 that appears nine times. See if you can catch it. 
John 15, verse 1. The Bible says, Jesus speaking, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me he can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Did you catch what word is used nine times? Fruit's mentioned a lot. Branch is mentioned a lot. Abide is mentioned a lot. Abide is mentioned nine times. Nine is the number of fruit bearing. No one plants a fruit tree or cultivates a garden without wanting some fruit out of it. You don't invest your time and money in a business without wanting a profit. And the Lord wants His children to be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. The mission then, the mission then is multiplication. The mission is multiplication, not addition. It's not about getting bitter, about getting bigger. Don't get bitter either. It's not about getting bigger. It's about being fruitful. Because if we look at nature, fruit trees are going to mature and bear fruit that brings forth more fruit trees. That's the mission, multiplication. People mature, right, physically speaking, people mature to bear fruit and multiply. Why? So we get more people. Right? That's the natural progression of things. If all we do is add, then we're missing the mission. If it's just addition, we're missing the mission. Because then there's no fruit. And if there's no fruit, there's no future. We're just fatter. We don't want to just be fatter. We want to be fruitful so that we can replicate ourselves and reproduce. Now go to 1 Corinthians 11. It makes sense so far? 1 Corinthians 11. Look at verse 1. Now, if you did discipleship too in Staten Island, uh, as I did, this is, I have a totally different scope and sequence. So um, I'm, I took it, the Lord took it a different direction for me. So this is, this is to help me. 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Look what, the Lord, look what Paul says here. Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. That's echoing what Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said? Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. What's Paul doing? He's just reproducing that. He's saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Christ said, follow me. I'm following Christ. Now you follow me. It's all about this process of multiplication. Look at Philippians 4.9. Look at Philippians 4.9. And I might go a little faster because I might assume that you know your way. I go too fast to begin with. I know that. But I might go even a little bit faster because I'm going to assume that you know your Bible a little better than if you were just starting out, as a general rule. Uh, and I've even got it on my mind, if the Lord allows, in a year or so, to do like an institute-level class. And then I'm really going to go fast. <laughs> all right. Um, Philippians 4.9. I'd rather the Lord just came back and spoiled all my plans, to be honest with you. All right. 
be happy if he doesn't give us a building or help me finish this course. If he sounded the trumpet, I'd be like, that's way okay with me. Philippians 4.9, those things which he had both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Paul was trying to multiply himself in the lives of the Macedonians. He wasn't just saying, okay, I won you to Christ. Now he's saying, okay, you see what I'm doing? I want you to do it. In the business world, we call that, let's turnkey this. <laughs> I hate those words. Let's turn. Who can you have to turnkey this in your organization? I don't know what that all means, right? But I'm, Paul's like, I got something from Christ. I'm giving you something. Now you go do it. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. <clears throat> is Paul talking to Timothy again? Is your ultimate discipleship right here? Paul's talking to his young son in the faith, Timothy, and he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You see it? He's saying, Timothy, I got some stuff from Christ. I'm giving it to you. Give it to somebody else. That's what it's all about. Multiplication is the mission. Now listen, I, will, I want to state this on the first lesson. I'm glad it's being recorded. Anything I know about the Bible is really the offspring of four men. Michael Veach, Pat Eldine, Peter Ruckman, and Bob Alexander. Those are my spiritual fathers, right? I reach back to those four. Of course, Mike Veach and Pat Dean are not just my spiritual fathers, they're my Apostle Paul's, they're like my everythings, because, you know, I knew them, but Peter Ruckman, think what you want of him, he taught me a lot. I got saved out of one of his pamphlets. Uh, Bob Alexander, I hope I meet him, I met him once, I've learned a lot about the Bible and ministry from him. And that's okay, we stand on the shoulders of great men. <laughs> no man is an island, no man liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. This idea that I've got the Holy Spirit and the Bible and I'm just going to go off and get what I need to get from God, you didn't get that from the Bible <laughs> because Ephesians says that the pastors and teachers that God gave you are gifts to the body of Christ for the growth and the edification of the church, right? He says, I gave gifts unto men and then he lists people. That, that Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I know what I'm reading except some man guide me? And in the same way Jesus Christ laid down his life that you might be saved, the pattern is other people laid down their lives so that you may grow. That's the picture. That's the pattern. So don't be ashamed. It doesn't mean we're subscribing or signing on to everything everybody does. Nobody walks on water, but we stand on the shoulders of great men. And you'll never reach heights if you don't humble yourself to stand on the shoulders of great men whether it's Mel Sabaka or Mike Veach or Pat Eldine, I have no shame in saying we stand or I stand on the shoulders of great men. The principle of spiritual multiplication is our mission. If things don't multiply in nature, the species goes extinct in one generation. Listen to this. This is a mind-blowing statistic. If you witness to one person a week and that person got saved, you'd have saved or got help get, lead 52 people to Christ, right? 52 weeks in a year. You'd say, that's pretty awesome. 
Anybody led 52 people to Christ last year? Not me. But if you were to witness for six months and reach one person and then disciple that person for the next six months, at the end of the first year, there'd be two of you, right? Then if both of you reached one person each and discipled them, at the end of the year two, there would be four growing, reproducing Christians. You with me so far? Okay. In four years, there'd be 16 of you. In six years, there'd be 64 of you. In eight years, there'd be 256 of you. In 10 years, 1,024 of you. In 12 years, 4,096 of you. In 13 years, almost 8,200 of you. In 20 years, 1,048,576 of you. In 30 years, 1,073,741,824 of you. 32 years, over 4.2 million of you. And in 33 years, over eight and a half million growing, or eight and a half billion, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, billion, I'm sorry, 30 years was one billion, 32 years was 4.2 billion, 33 years, I got my decimals wrong, was 8.5, over 8.5 billion. That's more than the world population today in one generation. If just you invested your life for six months, led someone to Christ, and for the next six months, disciple them to be a strong, growing, reproducing Christian, and you multiplied, that's what you'd have in 33 years. You'd have reached more than the world's population today. If all you did was add one soul a week for 33 years, you'd only have 1,716 souls. That's quite a difference. Would you admit? That's quite a difference. That's very convicting to me. We could do, that's what God said, be fruitful and multiply. So that is the purpose of the next level. Let's go to the pattern of the next level, our second point. Paul said he was a pattern to them which hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. A pattern is a model, a standard, a guide to follow. Right? A pattern is a model, like you might have a, have a pattern for a dress. You're following a model to make or stitch or put this dress together. A pattern in the Bible is a model for ministry. It's a model for worship. It's a, it's a pattern that we're supposed to follow and guide us. Um, go to Exodus 25. Let me do this. Yeah, go to Exodus 25. And the Bible is full of patterns. You learn the patterns, you learn the Bible. Exodus 25, I'll give you one. I'll give you three, actually. Again, a pattern is a model for ministry. All right? Moses, in Exodus 25, is given the pattern for the tabernacle. Out there in the wilderness, they were supposed to follow God and worship God in a tabernacle, that tent, in Exodus 25, 9, the Lord says, build this thing according to all that I show thee after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all the instruments thereof, even so shall ye make it. Jump to verse 40, and he goes on to say, and look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. So the tabernacle was built after a pattern God gave Moses. 
Hebrews 8.5 is another reference about that. How about 1 Chronicles 28? Well, then they got in the land, and God said, I don't want you to worship in the tabernacle anymore. I want you to worship in the temple, right? So if they're going to build the temple, God's going to give them a pattern. And he gives David a pattern for the temple, right? And it says right there in 1 Chronicles 28, 10 to 12, the Lord says, Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Then David gave to Solomon his son the pattern of the porch and of the houses thereof. Verse 12, and the pattern of all that he had by the Spirit. Jump to verse 18. And for the altar of incense, refined gold by weight and gold for the pattern. Verse 19, all this said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me, even all the works of this pattern. So God gave a pattern to David, which he gives to Solomon for the construction of the temple where they were to worship. Now go over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. You see, folks, God never expected us to fly blind or figure it out. We don't have to figure it out. We've got the pattern in writing by the Spirit, like David said. We've got the models and we've got the pictures and we've got the principles right here in front of us if we search them out. I don't need to invent any new ways. I don't need to come up with any new things to reach people or, or disciple people. I've got all of it here in the Bible. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul writes and says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, but that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Paul tells his protege, protege Timothy that, you know what? I, my life, is the pattern for the church. And that's an amazing study. If you ever want to understand what's going on in the world today, study Paul's life. Study how his life began, right? He had a supernatural birth. You had a supernatural birth. Find out how his life ended, right? The church began supernaturally. Paul began supernaturally. The church ended in religious compromise, the church will end in religious compromise. The church and Paul's life ends on an Alexandrian ship on its way to Rome. And guess where the church is headed? The church is being ushered back to Rome on Alexandrian Bibles. Right? You study Paul's life, it's a great model and pe- picture of what the church has gone through and is going through. Right? Paul ends alone, weak, imprisoned, Guess how we end? Not gloriously marching onto Zion. We end persecuted, afflicted, and pretty much left alone by everybody who loved us. Now, if Paul's life is our pattern, then the need for the next level couldn't be more appropriate. Because in Paul's life, we see the pattern of discipleship. Go to Acts chapter 9. Paul said, I'm a pattern. Okay, well, let's zero in on some of that. Paul gets saved, right, on the road to Damascus. 
Right? We know that, right? Or he meets the Lord on the road to Damascus. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. You know what Paul had in his life? Paul had a good discipler. And, and just so you understand this, folks, I'm a little, I'll be a little forthright. I have an agenda. I have an agenda. I look across this room. It's a blessing to see so many of you. My agenda is to turn you into disciples of somebody else. Because, right? see, it can't be just addition. One or two people just adding to the church. It's got to be multiplication. You've got to be going out and working in the lives of your family and your friends and the other brethren in the church. And that's how this thing really healthily, if that's a word, grows and edifies itself in love as the church is supposed to. All right? But look at Acts 9.26. As good lemonade, Colleen's. Acts 9.26. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed or tried to join himself to the disciples. They were all afraid of him. And believe not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming in and going out at Jerusalem. Paul, there he's called Saul still, had Barnabas as a discipler. Notice the phrase, Barnabas took him. Right? It wasn't a rapture. It was him taking him under his wing. Paul would not have been the man he became if he didn't have a good disciple like Barnabas, the son of consolation. When nobody wanted anything to do with Paul, who was then Saul, Barnabas saw something in him and took him under his wing. We need people like that, right? We need, the, we need that spirit of Mel Sabaco a little bit. It would just kind of take people under his wing and, and I know from interacting with Pastor Mel, and I'm sure Ray and others could tell stories, that he would see things in people that you didn't even see, and he'd say, I remember being in an institute class, and he was a guest speaker, and he was pointing at us in the room, and he's like, you're going to be good at this, and you're going to be a great dad. And we're just sitting there like, what? <laughs> I, I can barely tie my shoes. But I know my friend Paul Eschner would always say that he would look at Paul, and he just had a soft spot for Paul. He said, Paul, you're going to do something for God one day, Paul. You're going to be something for God one day. And he's pastoring up there in Rochester. After he tried the mission field and, 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 and messed up out there and maybe didn't do everything that he wanted to do, like God is, I don't know. We need people with that spirit of Barnabas to look at others and see past. I know there's the faults and the mistakes and the shortcomings, but to see past that and say, that's what God did with us. We're just garbage. We're garbage. That's all we are is garbage. And I know my joke around my father-in-law used to be a good garbage picker. Like my father-in-law would walk in with, you know, this thing he found in the garbage. And he'd say, I'm going to use this to hook up to this thing. And we'd be like, I'd watch Amelia roll her eyes and go, oh, my goodness. But, you know, he's, you know people, there's some dumpster. God's a dumpster diver. God just reached into the garbage and said, I can make something out of you. And we have to have that spirit. Not to be so critical of each other. Not to be looking down at our noses at everybody and just weighing everybody's mistakes in our little black book, but to have that forgiveness and charity to say, okay, you messed up, and maybe that's got to be dealt with, but you know what? Charity means I believe all things, I hope all things, that God can make something of you. Acts chapter 16. So, so Paul, I could preach on that till the Lord comes back, by the way. I think a critical spirit is, more, is worse than fornication. I think a critical spirit is worse than maybe somebody drinking on a Saturday night. I think a critical spirit will kill a church faster than a lot of stuff. 
just that hyper pharisaical critical spirit where we're so suspicious and suspect of one another nothing bothers me more than that because God is patient with me and long-suffering with me why can't I be that way with you and give you a second chance or a third chance or a hundredth chance because the Lord gave me 10 billion chances I've messed up 15 times I I, I didn't even put my feet out of the bed and I probably messed up 15 times and the Lord's long-suffering and merciful. Doesn't mean you let yourself get worked, walk, walked over. We've had to ask people to leave. We've had to deal with things in the church. It happens. It's not fun. But some people get off on that. Some people like waiting for that to happen. It breaks your heart when that happens. You don't want them to come to that. You do everything to restore someone and not see that happen. That's the spirit that Paul had in his life. And that's the spirit we're supposed to have in each other. See, because in Acts 16... Verse 1, Paul's coming to Derby, not the Kentucky Derby, and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which is a Jewess, and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took, right? Paul took Timothy under his wing, like Barnabas took Paul under his wing. He's just repeating Years later, Paul is repeating what somebody did to his life. And Paul says, I'm a pattern for the church. That is the New Testament pattern. God gave you something, give it to somebody else. God took somebody, disciples you and took you under their wing. You take somebody else under your wing. And watch this thing multiply and grow. That is the pattern our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ previewed with his disciples. Look at John, uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Am I making sense so far? This is all like an introduction to what the mission is. I want you to see what the mission is before we dive into the doctrine and the things that we'll get into that'll titillate your mind and the apologetics we might touch on. You know, you got to get the heart of this thing. The heart is this thing so you can have something to give to somebody else. And uh, John chapter 1, Paul said, remember way back, be followers of me even as I also am of Christ. The way I'm following Christ is the way I want you to follow me. What did Christ do? How did Christ preview this pattern? John chapter 1, verse 35. Again, the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed him. They followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? He saith unto them, Come and see. See, there it is. Jesus Christ opened up his life to make these men disciples. That's the preview. Hey, Lord, where do you dwell? Come and see. Didn't just show up on Sunday, shake a hand. He was involved in their life. Come and see. Then if you jump down to verse 43, watch how this pattern is repeated. Watch how the disciples repeat this pattern. 43. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was at Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Philip follows the Savior and opens up his life to make even more disciples. Jesus told him, come and see. So he tells somebody else, come and see. 
There's that multiplication. There's that replication. There's that reproducing. Discipleship one was and is all about you. About holding your hand, wiping your boogers, tying your shoes, dealing with your questions, helping you with your problems, showing you the verses. It was basically one direction, right, to give you a foundation. The discipleship two is two directional. It's two directional. It's turning the input into output so you can multiply. It's not just you taking, it's you giving. It's you learning so you can teach. It's you growing so you can give something back. That's discipleship too. And finally, very briefly, and then we'll take a break. And that's how we'll do it, right? We'll do a session for about 45 minutes. We'll take a break, and then we'll do a second class, all right? Let's go to Genesis 1. We'll finish here in Genesis 1. Finally, the picture of the next level. Genesis 1.11. Genesis 1.11. Here's the picture in the Bible. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. Please notice from the very beginning, when God plants a tree that has seed in it, he expects it to bear fruit after his kind. Kind. You are the tree God planted. Mark 8, 24, the man was healed of his blindness. He said, I see men as trees. Psalm 1, 1 talks about blessed is the man, and it says, he shall be like a tree. Right? The man following God is likened to a tree. Isaiah speaks about trees of righteousness, right? Planted by the rivers of waters. The seed is the word of God. Luke 8, 11, Jesus says, the seed is the word of God. You are the tree. You've got the seed. You know what God expects in the picture? Bring forth fruit after his kind. Verse 12, and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind and God saw that it was good. The Lord expects you to bear fruit after his kind according to the seed God gave you. That new man inside you, God expects you to multiply the new man inside you. Trees that bring forth trees that can bring forth trees. Bible talks about, not Bible, Louis Pascal talked about the law of biogenesis. It's a great proof of creation. He says life Biogenesis, right? The start, Genesis, bio, life. He says life only comes from life. And your life comes from life. Your life, it all goes back to the one who is the life, Jesus Christ, right? Pastors should look to reproduce pastors. Churches should look to reproduce churches. Christians should look to reproduce more fruit-bearing Christians. If we're a church, you know what our ultimate goal should be? To reproduce ourselves somewhere. To plant another church maybe somewhere. You as a Christian should look to plant another Christian somewhere. 
A pastor, an elder, a leader, a teacher should not just be watching everybody watch him and just get fat off of that. Should be trying to raise somebody else up to take his place, to be another teacher, to be another leader, to be another whatever. That's God's picture. And you don't want to ruin God's picture. God doesn't like it when you ruin his picture. Just ask Moses. You mess up God's picture, you miss the promised land. You mess up God's picture, you miss the land flowing with milk and honey. You mess up God's picture, you don't get to go as far as God wanted you to go. And if you mess up God's picture of multiplying and being fruitful, you might not ever be the Christian God wants you to be or attain to the heights that God wants you to attain to. That's why we want to go to the next level. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll take a break. All right? Lord, we love you today. We thank you. We praise you. We bless you. Just... uh, Help these things to sink down into our hearts. I know in the Bible says you let these sayings sink down in your ears. Lord, let them get past our mind. Let it get in our heart. Let it be like the fabric, the DNA of our Christian walk to not only help ourselves, Lord, but to help someone else and to multiply and be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.